When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Woo-hoo. Here at the Art... <laughs> Who is drinking wine, clearly. It's, it's been a while since I... I gotta keep you on your game. Keep you on That's your right. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you can interject here wherever you want. At the Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers. Certainly, certainly not today. But <laughs> we do have a lot of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday... Those questions come from you. And then, of course, we'll do our best to get you answers, advice, and good old-fashioned discussion slash admonishment slash tough love slash horseplay. All right, let's cut to it. Hi, Jordan and Jason. I've been on a self-improvement path for the past few years, but there's one specific aspect of my life that I'm still not happy about, and that is my lack of self-control and willpower to avoid things that are counteractive to all my efforts. I've tried so many different methods to tackle bad habits, but there's a constant pattern of me returning to them after a while of good behavior. Specifically, I'm talking about buying and eventually binging on unhealthy foods, allowing my cell phone to distract me from work, and watching porn and masturbating frequently. Dang, went there quick. Question number one. (laughs) We're going there. I know and have felt the balance and happiness that comes from avoiding these habits, but sometimes I can't rationalize why I shouldn't partake, especially if I'm a little extra stressed, bored, or unmotivated. Jordan, it seems that you lead a very disciplined lifestyle. Have you always been that way? If not, how did you make changes? I try not to be too hard on myself when I slip, but I'm tired of slipping. Wasting my energy on these habits prevents me from attracting what I want in life, Can you discuss self-control and willpower in the context of your show? Thank you. Trying every day. Sure. So this sounds like it's a crutch for other types of things. So, for example, he doesn't want to do the work because he's feeling like maybe he can't do it or you're feeling like maybe you're not cut out for it or you have a little bit of imposter syndrome. So you're allowing your phone to distract you. It's normally I would say, use your own psychology against yourself, right? Don't have your phone at work. Turn it off. There's always a way to do that or only turn it on during specified breaks. And that was my original kind of answer to this, right? Don't have unhealthy food in your house and then you can't binge on it. But there's something deeper going on here where you're using these habits as escapism. And I don't know, exactly what's going on here because you're not even sure, frankly. So you need to see a therapist about this. The reason is because I can give you a million ways to get rid of these bad habits, but you'll replace them with other habits because you're avoiding something. We have to figure out what it is that you're avoiding and then figure out why you're avoiding it. A lot of times it has to do with you feel like you're not fitting in at work, you have imposter syndrome, uh, worried about going to get fired for something else. You feel unmotivated. Maybe you're not motivated because you feel like you're up against too stiff of competition or because you feel like you're in the wrong line of work. You're unfulfilled in some way. This other stuff serves as a a very deliberate distraction. So I'm not going to tell you how to break the habits this time. 
because it's not going to matter. You're just going to find other other ways to do it or you're going to be undisciplined in the things that you need to do to get rid of these habits because you don't really want to get rid of these habits. These habits are taking you away from something that is a greater pain than you slipping and going back to these same habits. So you need to figure out what that is and that is what's going to help you then figure out whether or not you're doing the right thing and whether you're on the right path. Because there's a deeper cause here, and until you figure out that deeper cause, there's no point in trying to address the symptoms, which is what you're dealing with now. I'm going to throw out an alternate hypothesis. Do it. Which is boredom. I think it's boredom. A lot of this can be just, you know, okay, you're trying to, you know, make yourself better and do all this stuff, but you don't have something in those down hours when, you know, you can't be on the self-improvement path 24-7, you'll burn out. You'll just totally burn out. So you need downtime to do other things. And I don't think you have anything to fill that downtime. And when you don't have anything to fill that downtime that is exciting to you, either mentally or physically, then you fall back into the old habits. I know that that is, you know, I've fallen prey to that many times. So maybe also look for some kind of distraction that is healthy and physical and just engages your mind that you can do to fill those hours instead of just going and rubbing one out or picking <laughs> up your phone. And also yeah. take take all the crap off your phone. Do not have any social media on your phone. If you don't have social media on your phone, you'll never look at it. Trust me, this worked for me. But uh, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you about the porn side of things. But uh, I'll just find a good healthy distraction sometimes, and that could just be movies. It could be anything that will take your mind off of this the quest for self-improvement because you need downtime healthy downtime yeah we'll save your porn habits for next week's fan mail friday jason How's that? okay we'll wait for kim to come back for that one yeah yeah uh, you know i i understand where you're coming from with the alternate hypothesis and i think you're right he is bored in some ways because he even mentions that the reason i say there's an underlying cause which boredom could be a part of is that he says it happens also if i'm extra stressed or unmotivated so He's replacing work stress or stress caused by bad work habits with this stuff. Sure, boredom is part of it, but unmotivated, that for me says this dude has the job equivalent of working at a blockbuster video, and he's like, this is so stupid. I got to figure out how to do something that's more for me, but holy crap, that's an intimidating process. Oh, look, Pornhub, or right. oh, look, Cheeto Cheetos. Right. Yeah, and that's, so, what, that's that's that ties into the boredom aspect that I was talking about. Is he's not being yeah, challenged? He's not being challenged. Right. It's un. It's deeper than bored. Like momentary. Gee, I don't have anything to do. Why don't I play nonstop Chuck Norris on my phone? This is more like I don't have boredom. a purpose. Yeah, it's existential. Yeah, great. Ex exactly. It's existential boredom in like the way that I just don't have anything that's exciting about my entire life. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna focus on this dumb stuff instead. And, and all things will pass. You know, you can you can work your way out of it. This is not an un insurmountable problem by any stretch of the imagination. No. And thank God for that. Yeah. All right. Next up. Hey, Jordan, I loved Drunk Fan Mail Friday. Please make this a regular thing. Done and done, sir. <laughs> My question is simple. How can I learn proper email etiquette? I'm a freelance videographer that comes from a small town where my business relations were very relaxed. I just moved to San Francisco, and I'm working with bigger companies. This is great because I'm making more money. Good, because you're in San Francisco. But I feel like I might not totally be up to speed with email and other business-related etiquette. 
How can I learn to better calibrate my interactions? I feel like part of the issue is that, as a freelancer, I don't really have the time to properly read the company culture before I go to a shoot.、Mm. Do you have any tips or recommendations for someone in my position? Thanks. Love the show and love hearing all the great wisdom you guys provide. Cheers, frustrated freelancer. I actually really like this question because it shows an awareness that he understands his limitations, in or her limitations actually, in that there's a lack of understanding with company culture, the email. I don't know what I'm doing, and so there's an awkward feeling that she probably has in place doing the gig, but also just communicating with people in the business. And I'm guessing. That she's not asking this because she's very formal in her emails and the way that she does business. Because then it's not really as much of a problem, right? Because you can always be too formal and you're a little stiff, and that's that's it. But if you're too informal, people might be thinking, "Oh, geez, you know, this is this person is unprofessional or something like that." I've definitely dealt with that. My I've had my own struggles with this,、um, with email especially. So I'll focus on email for a second here. When you're sending an email, read it out loud before you send it. If you're not sure who your the audience and what they're used to, and don't skip the pleasantries. If you skip pleasantries in email and people don't know you, it can sound really abrupt. So I often start things with like, "I hope this finds you well." Da 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 da. Message a nice sign off. You can throw in a smiley, but only one, and、uh, not in professional emails. But if you want to leave things a little bit more laid back in the initial one, you can. But don't for, don't try to do. But don't try to be jokey or funny. And reassert positives so that even if they misread the email in in somewhat of a stodgy, stiff, or pro- overly professional way, you can write something like "Looking forward to working with you soon," and it adds a tone of friendliness. So that's how you can handle the thing with emails. As for you being on site, I think being a creative gives you a little bit of license to be. More laid back with how you operate and quirky, especially because you're only there for a bit. People are looking forward to this in some ways or dreading it. So if you can make people feel comfortable instead of being stiff and fitting in with the culture, I think that's useful. So, I, for example, we did headshots for AOC, and I was like, "Oh, I hate getting my photo taken. This is a huge pain. I don't really like this. It's hot. I'm wearing leather outside in the heat." I don't love this, but the photographer was an AOC alum, and he was really cool. And he's like, "Yeah, relax, man. You know, chill. It's going to be fun." And then he's telling me stories, and he's like, "Tell me about your vacation." And I'm talking, and he's shooting, and he's like, "All right, smile in between each sentence as you're telling me about your vacation." I got great pictures. He's a really good photographer, and I thought that was a really good idea. And not that we're very formal here at AOC, but he knew how to loosen me up in that way. And if you're doing a video shoot. And a photo shoot for your clients, you have license to be a little bit more artsy fartsy, loose, chill, fun. So I would lean into that, and you don't have to do it in your communication though. You can be as professional as you want to get the job, but don't feel the need to be someone else on the job. That's great advice because I've shot you guys before, and you are definitely a tough crowd. So this photographer, I need to take some lessons from him on his bedside manner, as it were. Bedside, his、uh, camera side manner. Camera side manner. Yeah, exactly. All right. Next up. What's up, AOC fam? Long time listener here. I'll cut right to it. Appreciate it. The hurricanes, the earthquakes, fires, and other natural disasters recently have been taking a toll on all of us. It's making me depressed. Then I go on social media, and most people are posting away their selfies and good times as if nothing is wrong in the world. 
I often feel like I shouldn't post anything during bad times because it's tasteless. Then I wonder where to draw the line. These feelings take over and I find myself sad for days, not wanting to live my life, so to speak. I feel like it's not okay to be happy while others are struggling to survive. I donate and try to help where I can, but that doesn't really make me feel better. Where do I draw the line here, fellas? Mr. Sympathy. This is an interesting one. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. There's something going on here. My first bit of advice is, look, you got to get on with your life. Helping other people is great, but it doesn't mean you have to actually feel bad for everyone. But there's something else going on here. I don't even think about hurricanes, earthquakes, and fires. They are news events to me. I feel bad for the people affected by it, but I am not preoccupied emotionally in any way about any of this stuff. I'm just not. You're kind of a cold-hearted bastard anyway. But That's true. That is true. Yeah. I've gone through this cycle that he's talking about, and it, it is tough if you're hyper-empathetic because you really care about the people that are being affected by it, but you can't, you have to distance yourself. Think of how doctors distance themselves from patients. You cannot be emotionally invested in everything you read in the news because it will drive you mad. You won't be able to get out of bed, but think about it this way. What could you do if you could? There's nothing you can do. You, yes, you're donating, but you're not, you're not Superman. You can't swoop in to save the day. So feeling bad about it serves no one and just makes your life miserable. It seems like he's sensitive, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. And I, I often feel like I shouldn't post anything funny during bad times because it's a little tasteless. But then I, I wonder where to draw the line. The other idea here, and we talked about this with Paul Bloom a little bit on the AOC podcast, but empathy just does not scale with the internet. There's always something to feel bad about, and that's unhealthy. If you don't want to celebrate, then fine, don't. But you're not helping anyone by being sad about every smog cloud in China. So if you feel helpless, my recommendation is start working with a cause, volunteer, you know, volunteering, very empowering. You might not just be feeling sad. You might actually be feeling guilty because you know you could be doing more. Or maybe you're not really driving your purpose with your career. Maybe you're a really caring person and you're in the wrong line of work and you're feeling unfulfilled because of it. And volunteering will help. And if you love volunteering that much, if it's helping, maybe nonprofit work is for you. But I see the I see that you're a sensitive person and that's that's a good thing. But it, if it's unchanneled, it can take over your life in the wrong way. And that's not going to be good for you long term or short term for that matter. Yeah. And don't feel like animosity towards your friends who are actually living their lives and having their fun because they might not read the news. So you can't put your negative emotions about the things that are happening onto them because they may just not know. So everybody's got their own gig, you know? So really just kind of make sure that you don't lose any friends by doing something that you will regret later by saying, hey, how can you post this picture of this puppy? Puerto Rico doesn't have any water right now, you know, because they just might not know. That's it. That's the slippery slope of the Internet and one of those things you have to be careful about. Yeah, you do. In fact, a lot of people... They might know and they might not want to make their whole life based around this. And you might not be able to feel why that's okay, but it is. And it's it's fine for other people not to be as empathetic as you, which I also know is a tough pill to swallow as somebody who might be more empathetic than usual. You might see the world as cold and callous, but it, it's going to drive you crazy is my point. So you need to channel it somehow. And if you don't, you're really going to feel the heat. 
Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. So we've been getting some insane feedback, Jason, about the Roger Stone episode. I mean, we knew it was going to be controversial, hence the disclaimer in the front and during the show and at the end and in the show notes, but people are still <laughs> somehow not getting the memo. And there's a lot of snowflakeism, and I hate using that word because it's been kind of co-opted by dickheads, really. Um, yep. <laughs> but there's so many people that are just like, they see it in the feed and they go ballistic and I'm getting these screaming messages in my inbox that are just so ridiculous, frankly. And I'm just wondering, if you're offended by the fact that this person was on the show, I gotta wonder if you cover your eyes when you watch the news, too. Extremists, here's the thing. Extremists often try to spin or whitewash what they say and what they're accused of doing, and they accuse the other side of disinformation. This type of episode with these types of opinions expressed right from the horse's mouth, it makes it so they can't do that because you're hearing it direct from the source. You think you're making some sort of market choice by unsubscribing. You're just hurting yourself. You can't get this level of content elsewhere. I'm, I'm biased, of course, but you're not going to dissuade us from interviewing interesting people because, well, one person unsubscribed and then sent 87 emails about it or you know, a couple dozen or even 100 people unsubscribed and then tweeted about how angry they were. The harm only goes in one direction, and that is towards those of you that are closed-minded and engage in some juvenile form of protest or, or frankly, whining Instead of learning about the world around them and hearing people out, even when their opinions are unpopular, I'm not going to go into a free speech thing because I think that stuff's getting the, not the concept of free speech, but the whining about oh, it's free speech. That's getting tired. It's being used as an excuse for people to be jerks a lot of the time. But I got to say, if any time you see somebody who you dislike showing up or from a host or show that you otherwise respect, I just find it really, really silly and silly. I, I'm. I'm limiting myself with my word choice here. It's ridiculous for you to unsubscribe because you don't want to be exposed to that or because you think you're protesting that choice of guest. You're just showing that you're as intolerant as anyone else and that you don't think that there's any value in diversity of opinions or opinions that you find offensive. I just I don't understand that, Jason. What's going on? 
I don't know, man. It's it, it, it boggles the mind. You know, everybody wants to be in their little bubble nowadays and their little echo chamber. And nobody wants to reach out and hear dissenting opinions anymore. And it's it's frustrating, honestly. It is. I mean, look, you can think someone is a total a-hole. I'm cool with that. But and then you can let me know that, too. But to then go, and I'm not going to listen to you anymore because you had someone on there that I disagree with. It's just bananas. It's absolutely yeah. ludicrous. And it makes me think you live in your mom's basement. You know what it makes me think of? The hangover. You know, Zach Galifianakis lives with his parents and he's like, I'm a stay at home son. <laughs> and he's yelling at his mom for a cupcake. When do we stop yeah. doing dessert around here? That's how I feel these people are who are so offended <laughs> by this. They just can't wrap their mind around that somebody might not think in the exact same way. I just, it just blows my mind, and it's it's disappointing. I'd like to think that people who listen to The Art of Charm are much more open about that, and by and large, y'all are. You're really great. The feedback I've been getting from that episode has, by and large, been great. I'm just a little saddened by the very ridiculously vocal minority that just cannot be around something that they don't agree with. For They just go ballistic. It's It's not healthy for you, man. And, well, man, it's not healthy. It's not good for you. You will never learn anything if all you do is sit around playing role-playing games and talking about why you're right. It's just not going to work long-term. You're going to be very disappointed with your life. Unfortunately, they're probably not going to hear this because they already unsubscribed. Yeah, right. I'm talking to the freaking preaching of the choir as usual. All right, Jason, next up. Dear Jordan, greetings from a sunny Mediterranean country that's still way too hot. My fiancé and I are getting married in less than two months, and I can't wait for the date. Congratulations, by the way. Traditionally, the women have taken the man's family name, but during the time when we were kicking off the wedding plans, we watched a news bulletin where the government revealed plans that the family name laws will be changed. Back then, I remarked that it would be neat if I changed my family name as well. I didn't think much of it after that day. Yesterday, my wife-to-be told me that she did some research and found out that there are three options when it comes to changing the family name on marriage. One. She takes my family name, two, I take her family name, or three, we combine our family names into one double-barreled family name. This will mean that it looks like either of these. One, name, my name, her name, or two, name, her name, my name. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got okay. it? Okay. Yeah, pretty clear. <laughs> yep. I know that I don't want to replace my family name because I don't like the way my name would sound with my fiance's family name. My dilemma comes from three places. Number one is that I'm a writer, and while I don't have anything that's noteworthy under my name yet, that is what people know me as. I know that I can use a nom de plume. Many writers do that for one reason or another, but in this case, it feels like I'm cheating. On the other hand, search engine optimization for my name would go through the roof. Second, I'm not sure how my family would react to the name change. I haven't talked to them about it yet, but I suspect that my mother would freak out a bit and my father would be indifferent but secretly hurt. I know for a fact that my father has his mother's family name because he is listed as an unknown father. Third, funnily enough, I am kind of attached to my name as it is. It's probably my uncertainty and my ego having a party in my brain, but then again, the idea that I could change my family name if I wanted to is only a year old, so I can understand why I'm undecided. I've always been indecisive, and having second thoughts about decisions that I told myself were finalized is in my nature. The issues in this case are that A, there's a deadline, and B, whatever decision I make is final, and finally C, there is no right answer. So it's no surprise that my indecisive and over-analytical nature is working against me. In the end, my fiancé says that she doesn't mind if she just changes her family name to mine, 
but I don't think she's being 100% honest. If she didn't want me to consider this, she wouldn't have researched the possibility in the first place. The least I can do is to treat this matter with more than just a passing thought and have valid reasons for keeping my family name as it is. She deserves this at the very least. That's very thoughtful of him, I got to say. Yeah, definitely. If I go for this, I have a technological question for Jason. Jason, as you can see from the address that I'm sending this from, my email address is literally my first name and my family name at Google Mail. My Facebook slug is also my name, dot my family name, although who uses that to find people anyway? There are definitely more services that will be affected by a family name merge than I'm aware of. In this case, what's your suggestion? Changing my family name is one thing, but changing the actual address of my inbox will be harder. (laughs) Welcome to the modern world. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) For one thing, I have to retrain everyone to use my new email address. Also, I registered with hundreds of websites and many businesses using the same email. The same for my wife-to-be. At some point, one or both of us still have to go back and tear our hair out on websites where they won't allow me to change that. Plus, there might be other issues that I don't even think of. Jordan and Jason, thank you for any perspective that you might be able to provide, and apologies for the long email. I tried my best to keep it short, but I couldn't think of any more unneeded details to omit. Thank you. Name, family name, fiancé family name, parent maiden (laughs) family name, mother-in-law maiden family name. (laughs) Nice. Wow. I mean... Weird question that I didn't think we would originally include, but I thought it was interesting enough, especially when I saw it, because I thought, man, you know, there's a lot of thought being put into this, which actually, zooming out a little bit, shows you're really considerate of your wife's feelings, which is Wasn't that, really, Isn't that amazing? That's yeah, crazy. I definitely am not really that like that at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear you, man. I think that's cool. I think it's really cool of him. And- it doesn't really matter is my answer to this question. And this, again, obviously, is my opinion here, but you don't have to rewrite history. It's okay if she uses her maiden name on some stuff and changes it moving forward. You have to go back and correct everything. You don't have to change your email address. I don't know if I'd take her name, but I'm not telling you what to do. I would say you guys can still be yourselves, and then moving forward, you can have a hyphenated name. Everybody's happy. Unless either of you feel strongly either way. But one thing that I thought was interesting is he hadn't actually gotten her to honestly tell him what she wants. So none of this can really move forward until you honestly get her to tell you what what she really wants. Otherwise, you're just guessing. Right now, you're guessing in the email. And you're not even sure what you want. What a mess. Well, they're not married yet. So (laughs) it's still that whole, like, you know, almost dating thing where you always have to guess what she she wants. She she gives you the clues, but then you have to figure it out on your own. And you best come back with the right answer. For me, that's a little strange. I feel like, hey, <laughs> you should probably pay attention to this and ask her what she wants. You need to have a real conversation with her because I don't see why you're guessing with her. You're about to get married. Have a real talk about this, if you think, especially if you think it's important. Yeah, because it's supposition right now that, yeah, she came back to you with the, the name change options. She might have done that because you commented on the news story and she may have thought that you were interested in it, so she was doing that for you. So this could be like a whole Three's Company episode right here where you think that she's doing one thing, she thinks that you want another thing, and ne'er the twain shall meet. So have a conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. 100%. So on the technical side, it doesn't matter. Your current email address is a Gmail address. Just set up a forward to your new address, so all the mail from your old address goes to your new one. 
You can throw in an autoresponder if you want to tell the people to, the, that you've changed it. But after changing email addresses for 25 years, I can tell you 99% of the world won't do it. So just start using the new one. Over time, it'll get updated. But you have the forwarder to fall back on. And on the topic of using your old email address as your login, why change it? It's actually good OPSEC to not use the email address that most people know you for for logins for your website. I use an email address that no one has ever heard of or will ever hear of for 99% of all my website accounts, and that makes me safer. What's OPSEC for those of us that don't know? Operational security. So using an email that no one's ever heard of that doesn't get used anywhere. So no one can guess the email that you're using to log into a website for. Right. So you make up a generic, you make up for him, he can just keep his old email address, but going forward, he's got a new email address. So all of his new friends who want to hack him and what kind of friends do you have, by the way? Yeah. Get some new friends. (laughs) Um, They won't try that email address. So that's why I use email addresses that no one's ever heard of because it makes you safer because no one will ever try that. Uh, Especially if they're looking at you personally as a target. But anyway, different story, different podcast. Um, but also couple that with a good password manager, like one password, and you don't have to worry about changing your old logins, period. And that's, you don't have that, take that out of the equation. This, the technological side of it, don't worry about. All right. Nice. Crush that one. Honestly, though, it comes down to just, I I was almost in shock when I saw this because I thought, why haven't you asked her yet? Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you asked her to marry you. You can at least ask her about the name. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think she's going to get too offended. Hey, so I'm trying to be really considerate of you since we're getting married, and how dare you? How dare you? All right, let's move right along. Hey, guys, this is a question from a business perspective. Every now and then I do a limited time special offer or some marketing campaign where people are required to do X and Y to receive the bonuses or get a chance to win something. Every now and then, we also get some people who ask to receive the said bonuses, even though they either A, didn't follow the instructions and didn't perform the required actions, or B, missed the deadline. What would be a great way to deal with these situations? Additional background info, so just so you know what I'm talking about. My first reaction is not to give them the special offer, because it would be unfair towards others who actually follow the instructions. It seems that it would also train people to think that the requirements are there for the fun of it and thus make them less likely to be followed in the future. In addition, ignoring the conditions in one case can easily lead people to expect it in another, and then it can turn into a mess really fast. This can obviously leave some people bitter and disappointed. Another thing is that people who write in demanding the special offer, even though they have not fulfilled the condition, seem to be the kind of customers I'd be be better off without. Sounds like it. Am I being too critical here, or is it actually likely that they'll be the ones who have the most complaints and demands in the future as well? Thanks for your insight. Coupon Charlie. Hey, Coupon Charlie. The bigger question, the meta question here, is should I reward bad behavior? The answer is always no. Those are not the customers you want. And this is the same in relationships with your kids, customers, business. It's not the customers you want. Some people are going to be disappointed. Yeah, sure. Just tell them there will be other chances. So follow your email list, follow your social media closely. At AOC, for example, we never give promotions, almost never. So when we do, they're actually special and we don't bend on them. Someone comes in late, we just don't bend on it. And we just say, oh yeah, you know, the next time keep your eye out or we'll open this up again. 
Um, and people are like, oh, I'm going to wait a few more years then until we run another one. I'm just like, all right, fine. The price will be higher then, but it's up to you. You have to set incentives correctly. If you don't set your incentives correctly, people will not understand. They think, oh, I'm just going to talk my way into this. And it devalues not just your product and your business. It devalues you and your time and your authority, which is really going to be bad for your business. Really, really, really bad. And this, again, is the same thing in your friendships and with your kids and with people in your life. You can incentivize bad behavior inside your family, for example. Um, my mom did this with her dumb brothers all the time. They're just, you know, they got incentivized with bad behavior, not just from my mom, but from my grandma, and they turned out like crap. And this applies everywhere. Applies there. I don't have kids, but I can imagine it especially applies with kids as well. Always think about what behavior you're incentivizing, not what your policy should be here, there, whether or not you're being cool, fair, whatever. Always think about what you're incentivizing by doing in just anything, and you will find the right answer as a result of that. It's always better to incentivize good behavior, period. All right. Last but not least. Dear Jordan, I'm in my mid-20s and recently moved in with my girlfriend of almost three years. We were long distance for two years after I went back to college. The majority of our relationship has been spent seeing each other once a weekend, half of which we'd spend getting drunk and the other half we'd spend hungover. It was fine because I'd be able to recoup during the week, but it appears this pattern has continued to the point of it's affecting my mental health. Living in each other's pockets has forced me to realize that my girlfriend doesn't have any real hobbies other than drinking, and that was fine in our early 20s, but I'm just not that person anymore. I suffer from anxiety related to chronic health issues growing up in a broken, dysfunctional home, and I'm finding that all this is starting to take its toll, making me constantly irritable and on edge, not to mention worried about money. I'm currently spending the summer completing my schoolwork, making funds tight. My girlfriend, meanwhile, works full-time and makes more money than most people our age, so when the weekend comes around, she loves hitting the town with me in tow, and she resents me when I express hesitation in going out and spending money that I don't have buying rounds of drinks with her and her brothers. I love the ideas of spending Sundays with a working brain, meal prepping and planning my approaching week to maximize productivity and reach my personal goals, but I've managed to be coaxed into drinking every Saturday night, thus making Sundays a complete write-off. I don't know how to handle the situation, and I have problems asserting myself, as my university counselor constantly pointed out. I love my girlfriend, but every social activity involves a drink, and I need it to stop for my own mental health. I was thinking of sitting her down and telling her that my anxiety is at an all-time high and asking her to help me by supporting me in my decision to lay off the sauce. What do you reckon? I don't want it to seem like I'm pointing fingers and I don't mean to abstain from alcohol completely, but rather save it for special occasions. I'd appreciate any advice you may have. What are your thoughts about alcohol and relationships? Yours? Desperately seeking something like sobriety. Yeah, wow. This is rough because it seems like a huge space opening up inside this relationship, right? And he doesn't want to do it at all, and she she seems to like leaning into it. And you're going to have a problem here. You really need to talk this out, and you need to stay sober while you're out. And you should cut out early if Sundays are going to become a complete write-off if everyone's wasted. You're, you're really looking at almost a core value decision here. But you need to have a hardcore talk about it because she might go, oh, yeah, it's not that important to me. I just thought that that's what everyone does. But 
if you really think if she really tells you, I should say that this is important to her, you got a problem in your relationship and that's okay. You're young. People have value differences and discrepancies. It's okay, but you shouldn't feed this anxiety and the health issues that you've got with alcohol just because somebody you're dating right now is doing that. And if it's making you feel bad and it's making your health worse and it's making your other emotional stuff worse and it's ruining your weekend, there's no value in this for you. So you have to decide whether or not you'd be drinking and hanging out with drunk people just to keep your relationship. And if so, what does that say about your relationship? Yeah, that leads to animosity. Yeah, it's going to ruin your relationship anyway because of the negative feelings involved. So you're going to have to eventually make a tough choice here. And it's better to do that early than later on after things have gotten really rough between you two as a result. So you really need to pay attention to this. And you really need to nip this in the bud and stop. Don't hope that she's going to change or come to her senses uh, on this because she's either going to keep doing it for a while, if my 20s are any indication, or she needs to hear about this and you guys need to have a real talk about it. But you may also just be a little bit too young to, oh, wait, no, I, I'm sorry. I thought they were in their early 20s. They're not they're that person mid, anymore. They're in their mid-20s. So. so she might be ready to outgrow this too. You don't know. You haven't had that heart-to-heart yet, and you need to do that. It sounds from the email like she's working her butt off all week to bring home the bread and just wants to have one night to go cut loose. Well, he does. he's not in the same position, so this might be a timing issue. You know, She might just not be ready to settle down yet, and he's like he's more than ready. To, you know, just cut it back so he can have his Sundays. And it just seems like this is such an easy fix, but it's very fraught with definite minefields like you were talking about. Yeah. So the bottom line here is you need to have that talk. You need to have it sooner rather than later. And uh, if you're afraid to do it because the outcome might be negative, just realize it's going to be worse if you wait. Documentary of the week. I'm. This isn't a documentary per se, but this show Scientology in the Aftermath, we were promoting this earlier as part of an A&E cross promo deal but i am hooked on this i was hooked on season one but man are you watching this at all jason this show i'm a cord cutter and i don't have it on any of my digital devices yet i'm looking forward to it i want to see it but it hasn't come to hulu or any of the other ones yet so no not yet it's on a and e and it is in the a and e app But it's really cool. I mean, she's taken on Scientology. They're given an inside peek. This season, season two, they've started to go over the these OT levels that they have, which are you know what these are, Jason? They're like the Oh yeah. This is like the bridge to clarity to get the alien ghosts out of your body. And these OT levels are are crazy and there's they're promising you like what is it called? Telekinesis? Yeah, where you can move things with yeah. your mind. Yeah, that's telekinesis, they, yeah. They show all these Scientology promo videos, and it's like, oh, yeah, I sent something was going to fall off the table behind me, and I turned around and grabbed it, and it's, it's just so silly. You just think, what kind of people fall for this? And then you look at the organization, and you just go, wow, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people yeah. are members of this organization. It's a little scary. Really, I used to go to the Scientology protests with uh, Anonymous, the hacking group, yeah. back in the day when I was in San Francisco. And during the protests, the families of the people who were still stuck in Scientology and some of the people that have escaped would get up and tell their stories. And it is bone chilling what's going on in there. So it's 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 insane. So I can't wait to see the show. I'm definitely a fan of people going after Scientology just from my history, but 
uh, yeah, as soon as I can watch it, I am definitely in for this one. Yeah, that that's sad. Those families are just they're torn up because they're they're not allowed to talk to well the people inside Scientology are not allowed to talk to people who are not in it. Yeah, it's which terrible. is just like terrible. So Scientology in the aftermath. Anyway, this is another edition, another successful, hopefully, edition of Fan Mail Friday. Don't forget, you can email us, friday at theartofcharm.com, to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous. You can either make up your own funny name, or we can do it. If it's feedback for us or for the show, we're fans of strong opinions loosely held, and we love to argue like we're right, but also listen like we're wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. A link to the show notes can be found for this episode, of course, can be found at theartofcharm.com slash fmf135. And I want to give a quick shout out to Karsten Madsen in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. He listens to AOC on his jogs to make the time go by. And Rodrigo, he's a pilot in a place called Melilla, which is an island between Spain and Morocco. I've never heard of that, but I bet it's nice. Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit me up. I'd love to shout you out. I'd love to hear from you either way, actually. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. And it's a great way to engage with the show. I always answer things there. In fact, faster than email most of the time. And JD, you're on Twitter, huh? Yep, I'm on Twitter at JPDEF. That's J-P-D-E-F. And you can check out my tech news podcast, which is fairly salty, so don't play it when the kids are in the car. Uh, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. Go to GOG.show slash iTunes to subscribe. All right. Don't forget about the AOC challenge as well. Text AOC, that's AOC, to the number 38470. Or go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We're taking you step by step, building your networking skills, building critical thinking skills, building some comfort zone busting, right? Taking you next level with your personal charisma, your social capital, and it's unisex. It's for both guys and gals. It's something you can do in your spare time. It's a great way to get the ball rolling, get some forward momentum. Theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text AOC, that's AOC, to the number 38470. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps. We run those almost every single week here in L.A. If you want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, go to theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Pay us in cryptocurrency, Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars, Japanese yen, Chinese yuan. I don't care. Just go and uh, get the deets there. I'm happy to hook you up with Brock, who will give you the full rundown. Stay charming. Get out there and connect and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. 